HZ of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. Back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. And me, Martin. Hello. How are you doing, Andy? I'm just very pleased not yet to have been castigated for my opinions on The Woman in Black. Ah, The Woman in Black. And its sequels. It's many sequels. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah. obviously, obviously it's okay that I didn't quite like it. I thought I would be shunned. No, I don't I mean the thing about it is it's... I, 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 it's, I there we go. How many eyes can I put in the sentence? Um, <laughs> so egotistical. This the, well, precisely. I must be a very egotistical young lady. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you pompous twat. Anyway, no. Um, I was. <laughs> I'm leaving this TARDIS first chance again. No. I. <laughs> I was. Uh, I was saying the other day. You know, it's difficult if you really don't particularly enjoy a show. Yes. And. And I was, and, and quite rightly, it's pointed out to me that well, yeah, but the reasons you don't like a thing are perfectly valid things to talk about. Yeah. So um, I don't think that the fact that the woman in black is wasn't didn't exactly float your boat. I mean, I was uh, talking to somebody a couple of days ago about uh, we happened to watch the first twenty minutes of um, High Plains Drifter when it came on. Oh yeah, and a lot of people who like westerns really like High Plains Drifter. Mm. Okay. And I put it on and I said to Philippa, oh, you bought me this on DVD, you know, let's um, let's watch it or let's see what it's like. And then sort of 10 minutes in, there's this basically this rape scene and right. it's like really, really uncomfortable. And uh. and it and what I'm what I was asking was the people who really like it. What is it that I can say that would persuade her who found this really distasteful and really unpleasant yeah. that this was a good film for us to sit through. And it's very difficult, because if you happen not to... I mean, historically on the A to Z, you really didn't take to a GBH at all. Yeah, fair. Fair comment. <laughs> um, I think I think that is reasonable uh, observation. But that didn't mean that we couldn't talk about it for... Yeah. Although we, we, did, we were it. troubled about that, though, weren't we, for a time? We were kind of like, oh... Well, we were new and exciting, and we thought, oh, yeah. we're going to alienate all these these people, these burgeoning... Fat, not fans. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not fans. <laughs> these burgeoning listener... These people who've come come to us for our... Well, not necessarily even for our opinion, just to hear what we had to say about it. Yeah. And, um, I, sorry, yes, it's it's, it's terrible. I, I, I seem to have been... I'm basically... Uh, I've got me jab this morning. <laughs> I've had me jab, so the nanobots are taking over my brain, which oh, is no. going to mean that I I 
suddenly I'm going to go hail Boris or something. <laughs> yeah, and the government can track you now and all of that. And, shit. Absolutely, yeah. and and I'll probably find uh, quite awful uh, mid seventies dramas suddenly the best thing ever. So um, <laughs> on that on that note, we come to so our, drama we, du jour. I know, I know, we have gone a bit round the houses. We should mention what it is we're talking about today, which is. Do you want me to do it? Go for it. The uh, It's a Granada series uh, made in the mid-1970s uh, called The XYY Man, based on the books by Kenneth Royce. It um, is indeed. First the first broadcast... series of which... Sorry, gosh, you're still no, going. <laughs> no, the first, the first series of which was a three-part adaptation of the book The XYY Man, uh-huh. uh, which was so well received that next year they adapted three more books in a ten-part series. Uh, which we'll come to, but yes. Gosh. Do you want um, me to first, read out the, the stuff no, on the I back of the DVD? I want to say something for a minute. Oh, sorry. 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 First broadcast in July 1976. Ah, um, as, that as, long, as, hot summer. <laughs> yes, I remember it. I do. Um, and this one was written by Ivor Marshall, adapted mm-hmm. from Kenneth Royce, and directed by Ken Grieve, and we'll come mm-hmm. back to Kenny Babes okay. a bit later on. Yes, yeah, so do you want to? Ken. Yes, Kenny. Oh, I have got one of those moments later on. So I hope you've got your bell with you. <laughs> I'll fight my way across the room. It's a really good unexpected one as well. You will not believe the connection. It's so funny. Um, but okay. before we get there, I think I'd mm-hmm. like you to read out the back cover of the DVD to see whether we agree with the. Well, I'll read. I'll read most of it. <laughs> I'll, I'll read most of it because. Go so, for it. Yeah. Okay. Just. Just, just, just released from prison, reformed cat burglar Spider Scott. Funny name, Spider, isn't it? Yeah. It doesn't say that, sorry. <laughs> Stephen Yardley from Howard's Way is determined to stay on the straight and narrow this time. Unfortunately for Spider, his body is working against him. He has an abnormal, no, abnormal genetic predisposition towards crimes against property. And there are a num- <laughs> Sorry, that phrase just makes me laugh so much. Crimes against property. Crimes against property. It's a specific yeah. thing. It's yeah. like the um, what was it? The that the neutron, not the neutron. Was it the neutron bomb that didn't harm buildings but killed all the people? <laughs> this is like you know. Oh no, he he does the opposite. He ruins property, but he doesn't kill people. Um, no, um, crimes <laughs> against property, and there are a number of factions willing to take advantage of his skills, including the British government. Carrying out sanctioned burglaries is more dangerous than the normal kind. A spider soon finds out, and it's Gosh. not long. And it's not long. <laughs> it's not long before he is. Hotly pursued by Detective Sergeant Bullman, brackets Don Henderson, strangers. Yes. Occult success. I'll have you know. Occult success. Says Network, first... hoping to sell a few copies. <laughs> when it was first shown in the 1970s, the XYY Man was a strong combination of both the crime and spy genres with... Or genres? Yes. With, an, with a compelling central... I just realise all my pronunciations all over the place. With a compelling central performance by Stephen Yardley as cat burglar Spider Scott, the XYY man span off into the extraordinarily successful Strangers, also available on network DVD. <laughs> which, which... I see moved, what they did there. <laughs> which moved the quirky copper, George Bullman, to centre stage... This is the first time... Oh, we don't really need to say it, but this is the first time that this has been released in any format. Yes. And we wonder why. <laughs> well, well. So, yes, Granada I, I'm Television... Get, I'm getting a flavour of what you think of this series, Martin. So, well, um... shall I briefly, because I'm in the mood, 
Um, I uh, did an article for our friends and colleagues on the um, Around the Archives podcast a couple of years yes. ago about the character of Bullman, specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the bit I said about the XYY man went pretty much... Anyway, because I have the tendency to be co- a completist, all three were picked up and be- because I prefer to do things that way, I started at the beginning and put disc one of the XYY man into the machine and utterly loathed it. So there we go. <laughs> okay, so this is where... This is where you might be a little surprised. Mm. I actually quite enjoyed it. Well, thank God one of us did. There we go. <laughs> it's 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 usually the other way around. I mean, this is good. I could oh, I could I could get the gloves off now. That's <laughs> you can. Okay. Well, if I compare it to other things I haven't enjoyed, I actually yeah. never once checked how many minutes were remaining. Well, that's uh, good. And I I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. To say I enjoyed it would be a stretch. But yes. I certainly found it interesting and i found its depiction of mid-70s society um pleasing Mm -hmm. and there are issues oh there are issues (laughs) but i did appreciate the genre it was trying to hit yes and yeah i think it had things to recommend it but also yeah there were issues and not just with the um prejudicial stuff but also around plotting and yes and what was and clarity i will admit so, that i wrote down no fun but strangely compelling at one point right and that's okay. the interesting thing about it it's not necessarily the greatest piece of television ever made but it does keep you interested yeah i think so and before we get any further can we just talk mm. about that extra y chromosome oh yeah <laughs> Have you got the gen on that? I've got I've got something from the British Medical Journal. Well, it's supposed just, to be a load of old toss, isn't it? Basically. Well, yeah. Explain what it is, though, for the listeners. But it's well, it's basically that you have an extra chromosome, and uh, this makes you predisposed to to criminal tendencies. Interestingly enough, it was also touched on in Doomwatch uh, a few years earlier. Ah, right. Uh, by that. the pricking of my thumbs, the Doomwatch episode okay. uh, uses the same idea. You know that people are predisposed to criminal uh, tendencies because of this extra chromosome. So, so it was an early seventies idea. I think it had actually been pretty much um, kicked into the long grass by the time this series was made. But obviously, oh really, adap- adapting a book. I think so. Either it was it was on the very end, or indeed maybe the actual serial itself sort of kicked up the controversy and people said dos. But then again, <laughs> well, they'd found I've got this. Um... Extra male chromosome. <laughs> well, I could have told them that. Well, yeah. Female genes are, are designated X and, and, and male are Y, right? Hmm. Well, in a straight, normal male profile, it's uh, XY, but... You're bisexual? No. I'm XYY. And it isn't sexual. Oh. Well, as long as it isn't sexual. <laughs> What's it mean? Well, no one's quite sure what it means. Oh, charming. But some psychiatrists believe that XYYs have a predisposition mm. to acts of violence against property. <laughs> you mean it's your blood that takes you out of the job? Mm. Mm. I went to the British Medical Journal. Darling. Oh, well, there you go. I know uh, you do proper research. I always forget <laughs> this. <laughs> and I've discovered that... Um, 
for a long time this was still believed um, mm. in some corners. But it's kind well, of... saw it on the telly. Yes, it was on the telly, like. Um, <laughs> but it's since been proved that mainly it was to do with socioeconomic background had much mm. more of an impact shock mm. than having this extra Y chromosome. But that there was a slight predisposition to certain crimes with people who had this extra Y chromosome. and mm. the, But those crimes were, in fact, sexual crimes or arson. Mm. But it's only a slight predisposition, so it's kind of like, it's kind of like similar to this fear around um, mm. blood clots and AstraZeneca jabs. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like there's. Ah, like sorry, my brain's going. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go to my I love Boris. Yeah. <laughs> he is a god. Wow, what a great job he is doing. I wish I could be half the man who. <laughs> So I think I'll have to do the rest of this episode alone. Seeing as, seeing as Martin's been does taken over compute, by the Tory party. No, it's great. It's brilliant. Oh, gosh, I've just got to get my union flag out. Sorry. Um. <laughs> so it was, I must say, I really enjoyed going back to the height of 1976. Um, <laughs> ah, the big I, brown leather coats. Yes. Um, and also, not forget, not least forgetting the brown flimsy underwear that Stephen Yardley wore at oh, one point. Oh, I knew quite, we were going to come to that one. We My got quite brother. an eyeful at one point. Yes, the, the, <laughs> the very, very, very tiny brown underpants that he wears in episode two, actually. Yes. yes. But also... Yeah, we, um, I say, I always think we should do your Dress for Success the, uh, thread in this. And uh, it's that and the ties, uh, not the ties, the um, the shirts of oh, Ray. incredible shirt that Ray wore in episode two. But I actually mm. thought that would actually work today. And people really, like, really high fashion people would wear the heck out of that today. Mm. What about the small brown underpants? I don't know. I mean, they weren't they weren't vile, but it was the color. They weren't Flash really. Gordon tiny, were they? It was, the, it was the color was problematic. I mean, who mm. wants to wear brown underpants? I suppose it might help in certain situations. Depends if you've got a washing machine. I also need to reference the gloy. There was a there was there was gloy on the desk. Did you see the gloy? The gloy glue. I missed the gloy. There was gloy glue so regularly that every time I saw it, I was like gloy. You had you had Gloy Joy. I did have Gloy Joy, and also he passed a Pizza Land in the car, which was fun. Oh. And I thought that's quite early for pizza, nineteen seventy six. Mm. Don't you think? Yeah. I do get actually the, the the one thing I do get out of these uh, kinds of shows is yes. I, I do I because I, I as I've possibly mentioned before I get quite a I do quite like Lost World. I quite like, and quite often uh, in certainly Grada series, obviously it's the Manchester I know from yeah. when I was growing up. And obviously, sometimes when it's pretending to be London, it's the Manchester I know from when I'm growing up. You know. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's you do spot these. There are some very big nostalgia hits in watching these shows. Very yeah. Much so. I think I can't remember, but some of the shop names that you just think, oh, I remember. Oh, I remember. Oh, yeah. Mm, there was a this and there was and like so, the old wimpy bar flies by in the back. Yes. Yeah, you end up watching the pleasing. background sometimes. Yeah. You know? And because there's quite a lot of um, scenes where they weren't necessary that you saw him driving around places or you saw mm. people walking around in the state. But it gave you a flavour of the time that was, was pleasing and it gave it a sense mm. of place and context, which I appreciated. Oh, Granada were definitely... Uh, I mean, they were... I, the interesting thing, I think, about uh, XYY Man generally and Strangers later on is that 
Granada, I mean, this would have been two years into the Sweeney and Thames had had this massive hit with the Sweeney, uh, which followed on from their reasonable hits of uh, things like New Scotland Yard. I think Granada wanted to make a networked uh, crime drama, a networked, and this, uh, they picked up the books. Yeah. And they wanted to make a really successful crime drama, you know, with all the London stuff, all the filming, all the location stuff. And I really think they threw a lot of energy into it. I suspect uh, the fact that, like I say, they did the two of these and then either Stephen Yardley wanted to go off and have, you know, a more interesting career or whatever. Uh, and or, or the fact that the breakout character of Bullman became, just seemed more interesting. Because, yeah. but I mean, to be fair, Strangers. I mean, there's it, only five seasons. There's only about thirty episodes. It's not a huge, roaring, you know, four box sets of thirteen like the Sweeney success. But it, not it, as successful as Network would have us believe. Yeah, it's it, it's a tidy <laughs> and enjoyable series that actually yeah. uh, plays very well on the eccentricity and does. Henderson actually does make it. He really does. He's a, mm. you know, he's brilliant. And then you get the further spin-off. Uh, I think it's like five years later of uh, Bullman. Mm. Uh, which has got the lovely Siobhan Redmond, of course, as his sidekick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the character of Bullman, the eccentricities of him, the you know the fact that he would always wear his gloves and w- walk around with his plastic bag, became a sort of uh, newspaper uh, short shorthand. Yeah. Uh, but a bit of a trope. And so his character really was the the heart of of those two series. The funny thing is that right at the beginning of this, he's an utter, utter bastard. <laughs> and he's really he's, made out from the not first. Likeable. He's made out to be the enemy because we're in this series. We are on the side of the villains. And that's an interesting way to take a show and an interesting thing to base a show around. You are generally on the side of the villains. And I would this. say, and I would say a lot of my interest was around how that would play out. And also, mm. I have to say, concern. I was really worried that Yardley's character um, would turn out to be a racist. Mm. But it turns out, in the end, he has a brilliant put down of the of Ray with his mm. apartheid supporting ways. Yes. And and I thought I was really really surprised and, ple- and pleased by that. Mm. Um, and <laughs> the, the fact when he was actually asked to strip to take all his clothes off, mm. and he said. I'm not doing a strip tease in front of a segregated audience. You get your clothes off, boy. <laughs> that was just a brilliant line of saying, fuck off with your racism. It, yeah. was, it was a really lovely way of dealing with it. So yeah. I think as soon as it was established for me that, that Spider what? was not a racist mm. and was quite comfortable mm. around whatever colour anyone was, mm. then I was quite... I was happier with it. Yeah. And I was had, worried... Uh, he had educated himself in prison. I mean, he does say he got his degree in prison, doesn't he? At one point. Yeah. And and so I don't I don't think he was your usual a bit dim criminal. He was he yeah. was obviously a clever and enlightened per- character. Unlike um, a lot of the other characters. <laughs> well, yeah, but well, this is it. I mean, I suppose we we should mention that there's a, there's a whole South African apartheid thing going on yeah, in the whole so, plot. So that's, I found that really interesting how that was handled because it was mm. really clearly handled in a way that, that this is this is terrible, that this person mm. is pro-apartheid. Mm. But at the same time, as you said, you kind of get the flavour of, oh, well, maybe we're meant to like Ray, for instance, who is the mm. most pro-apartheid person in it. Mm. And he does help Spider at one point. But, I mean, mm. he gets his comeuppance. Yes. Good. 
but and he is indeed i mean he he's disguised as a a liberal journalist but he's yes. really a spy which is really uh, interesting that's really mm. interesting writing i mm. think and but, also um, uh, i mean we have to i suppose remind uh, people that because there's there are interesting uh, references to the ira as well yes uh, and so the world of england britain in the mid 1970s was very much you've got this situation with apartheid you know you've yeah. in south africa the south africa was still at this point was it still uh, outside you know the sanctions were in place i think it was in 76 wasn't it and and like i say you've also got the ira thing so actually britain is a very paranoid and you know scared place in in that sense yeah. at that time so these yeah. are sort of issues that are going on and obviously the uh, south african uh, terrorism is is one of the subplots to this so. yeah yeah and we should mention there's i mean i think the thing that's probably remembered of the whole thing is just one phrase that is said at one point which is it's actually not repeatable on this podcast mm. um but there's a racist turn of phrase which is mm. quite shocking but equally mm. shocking and um, which i can say was when the guy in the first episode um, asks for a Nigerian lager. And I was mm. like, what's a Nigerian lager? And of course, horrendously, it turns out to be a pint of stout. Mm. Um, which, honestly, well, mm. obviously that was just common parlance, maybe, mm. at the time. But mm. the, the idea There's of There's a lot such of common parlance such feeds in, You know, embedded racism is terrifying, yeah. but that's, well, that's the reality. The thing that actually, that's the thing. I, you know whilst I can sort of appreciate it as a piece of drama and a piece of television, the thing that I came away with the first time I watched it, and even on the rewatch, is I just felt a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth. It was yeah. it was distasteful. And that's more to do with the attitudes of the time and the casual racism, the casual sexism. Uh, I mean, the the girlfriend, uh, Vivian... What's McKee. Vivian McKee, who plays uh, Maggie Parsons, Parsons yeah. gets gets beaten up on the screen in this, yeah. and that again is oh, it's difficult I think, I think, to watch now. Yeah, yeah, that was that was hard, wasn't it? Because there was there was mm. blood all over, her and yeah, mm. oh yeah, mm. yeah. It was a difficult it was a difficult watch in places, particularly hopefully in I more mean, enlightened yeah. more well, enlightened times. But are they enlightened? I wonder. Well, you know, but, let's face yeah. it, we're not really understanding a great deal of what the our country. I say countrymen, but country people. Maybe, are, um... maybe if you watch it again now, you've had your jab. You'll feel different. <laughs> I'll just think it's great and brilliant, fantastic, and whoa, get them, go on, do, do, put the boot in. No. <laughs> Fascinating to me, uh, I suppose I should mention it straight away, is in the second and third episodes. Uh, Don Warrington turns up as he a does. Rhodesian because we're still in Rhodesia rather than Zimbabwe. Yes. And I actually had to be reminded of the fact that Rhodesia became Zimbabwe. I felt bad mm. that I'd forgotten that, that was okay. the, the name. But yes. Mm. But, um, uh, Don, Don Warrington uh, doing the same accent he does in um, Death Island. <laughs> oh, really? Murder Island, pretty much. Yeah. He's still using his... his a, a very... It certainly sounded... Because that was how I recognised him, oddly enough. Yeah. You know, I didn't... Because I, I, I don't think he's actually fully in shot when you first see him or hear him. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's... Because we've been watching a lot of uh, Death in Paradise recently, uh, and I suddenly thought that's the commissioner. 
yeah, yeah. The yeah. lovely, the lovely commissioner waving that gun around like he's in the Sweeney. Yeah, looks a bit like Dirty Harry in in at the beginning of episode three. Weirdly, it's got the same kind of jacket on as well that Clint wears in those those violent thrillers. So I must mention that mm. I know we've been a bit sarcastic about Network, but I do like the mm. way they presented this set in the sense mm. of for the first three episodes on the menu, you've got X, Y, Y for mm. each episode, and the mm. episodes are what are they? The proposition. The execution, uh, the execution and, and the resolution. The resolution. Yeah. yeah, and that was really nicely presented, and it, they do fit quite nicely in, in as a sort of a triplet. But what do you think about? Do they do they flow? Is there a good pattern to it? I'll tell you what interests me. Yeah, and uh, you know, because actually, like I say, there are four discs, there are four stories mm. uh, in in the set. The second year uh, consists of three multi-part stories yeah. that make up 10 episodes. The problem is that whoever put the discs together didn't quite twig that. Ah. Because what happens is disc two is three episodes. Yeah. Disc three is three episodes and disc four is four episodes because they can do that. However, the four-part story is the first one. Oh, oops. So disc two should really have had four on it. So oh, what it is, is in, <laughs> instead of each disc having a complete story on it oh right it which it could have done very easily had they looked into it yeah. what you so you could have had if you put all four parts on yeah, disc I two then disc three and disc four you know and that has bugged me ever since i first started. i understand that that's sort of but i think you don't need to worry because i, I imagine very few people would go beyond the first story <laughs> You you do oh, okay, right. <laughs> but you're, you're actually right. I don't annoying. think it's bad. The, I have a, an interesting uh, connection with the second story, weirdly, yeah, because it was filmed in the office my mother worked in in nineteen. Oh, how weird! Um, yeah. uh, and she said that Stephen Yardley was lovely. I did. My mum always liked tall blokes who were a bit nice to her. Um, <laughs> you'd have gone great, especially especially <laughs> if they wore flimsy brown underwear. <laughs> Well, I don't think he did that in her office, but but the roof the rooftops around uh, St Anne's Square were where some of the sequence the rooftop sequences were filmed in the second story, and and so you know they took over their offices for two or three days, and I think it was possibly one of the high points of my mother's <laughs> in oh, terms bless. of in terms of her um, touch a touch of celebrity. Now, yes. what about what about my touch of celebrity? I bet you can't guess who it's with. Um, is it an actor or a director? It's an actor. Oh, an actor. Um... They're not a huge part in it, but um, let me tell you, I have sat in their attic and I went through all of their books and I just sat there musing about the world. Oh, is it? Is it Paul Freeman? No, it's not. Oh. It's Peter Birrell, who played oh, right. Groot. I am Groot. Groot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. The, I don't remember there being a tree in it. <laughs> Yeah, so he was one of the horrible South Africans. The oh, crikey. Was, the one who was with Roy Boyd. So right. those two. So he was the smaller one. But, oh, God, um, he was really horrible. Yeah, Peter oh, Burrell. I, I would never have gone in his attic, no. <laughs> I don't care about the bleeding government. No, we'll get it, Scott. Hey, cat burgling was never like this, eh? Ach, no. Oh, you screwed your country, man. And everybody's looking for you. Oh, nobody cares what happens to you. All they want to know is, where is the negative? So he was fam more famously the draconian prince in Frontier in Space. Oh, okay. 
Yes. But um, he was at the time that um, later he married Stephanie Cole. So when okay. I was preparing Stephanie Cole's autobiography, which which never was published, um, oh. a, a story for never, <laughs> <laughs> I um, spent quite a lot of time in Peter's attic going through his books and also scanning family photo albums and stuff like right. that. So that yeah. was the connection. But he, oh, he right. died some years before. There we go. There we go. Oh, the bell! The bell! The bell of the bell of connectivity. <laughs> so yes, Peter Birrell's attic. I mean, it's not a brilliant claim to fame, yeah. but um, no, it's, well, fair it's enough. There. I couldn't really ring the bell for my mum, sort of biting, <laughs> giving giving an actor a cup of tea. Really, <laughs> I think you could. <laughs> now, seeing as we're talking about actors, I think it's really one of the fun things about the X Y Y Man. Well, this first mm. story, anyway, this first three episode story. Mm is the amount of people from that particular 76, 77 run of Doctor mm. Who that mm. are just... It's like, almost like, right, so you've all signed up to be in Doctor Who, either in the 76 or 77 series. Do you realise you're also obliged to also appear in the XYY man? <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's amazing how many there are. Mm. It's just like, I lost count. There was, so there was Roy Boyd, who's in the Hand of Fear. You've got Tanya yes. Rogers from Robots of Death. You've got oh who else? Alan Rowe, Alan Rowe, Alan Rowe from Horror of Fang Rock. Yes, with his ghastly ties. Um, oh, I'm sure there's more than that. Uh, well, there, there was um, the photographer uh, Leslie Schofield. Leslie Schofield from Face of Evil, of course, and of course Raker and loads of other things. Mm. But um, and of course you also have well Stephen Yardley was in Who twice, wasn't he? But um, I I always loved him as Severin. In mm. Genesis, really lovely. Well, this would have been Severin would have been about a year before this, wouldn't yeah. it? So yeah. So it may well have been on his showreel. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. It's interesting. I think yeah, Severin is a really, really pleasant, nice, soft-spoken yeah, character in in Genesis. Yeah, the way and... he looks after and protects Sarah in a way that's not patronising, just lovely. Ah, oh, mm. one of my favourite supporting characters in any Who. I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, talking of Who. Which we inevitably mm-hmm. do sometime. Mm-hmm. I had not realised about the Daleks. I had not realised that. So right, let me let me preface this. My assumption was that in Destiny of the Daleks, Ken Grieve directed it in such a way that mm-hmm. to make the Daleks more menacing, that he'd shoot them from the ground, looking up at them, which is okay. what's brilliant about Destiny of the Daleks and how exciting mm-hmm. and how scary the Daleks are in the tunnels. Mm-hmm. Now I watch the XYY man from a few years earlier and realise that Ken Grieve always shoots from the floor up. <laughs> and it's just it's just a directorial style. Yes. So I was like, oh, wow, OK. So this is just how he directs. Interesting. Right. I think it's interesting. I think it's just a very good way of making something very imposing. You know, yeah. those low angles. You know. I yes. mean, when you think about it, we talked about this when we talked about I. Claudius. Should we talk about I. Claudius for half an hour? No. Um, when, when we talked about like those creeping camera moves, yeah. the camera becoming a character. Yeah. You know, the climbing, the stunt stuff, which I think is actually a little bit long. Yes. I mean, he's I'm... a cat burglar. I grant, you know, I'm gr- I grant you that cat burglar, a big part of the storyline. But I think the sequences where he's breaking into the uh, embassy. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, they I took about explain. they took about twenty minutes. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to explain the plot? Yeah. Basically, I suppose that we're out a bit overdue, isn't it? Uh, Spider Scott <laughs> gets out of get out gets out of prison, uh, wants to go straight, but the the corridors of power and the powers that be 
want him to basically do this job for them because there's this whole political scandal that's blown up over uh, a photograph that's been taken of a South African minister who has, uh, shall we say, been been caught in an... Un- Van Rin. Un- uh, in a, it has been caught in a uh, compromising photograph with, with Zelda from this, Robots of Death, yeah. And they want to get this, they want to get this uh, photograph back, and so they need a cat burglar to break into the Chinese not uh, litigation, the Chinese litigation. No legation. Oh, legation. Sorry, yes, the yeah. Chinese legation. Sorry, that'll that'll come out in the edit. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, well, Chi- I'll keep that in. <laughs> the China. So I, it's, I can't read my handwriting. I can't read my handwriting. The Chinese <laughs> legation. Uh, and uh, and get this photograph back. And, of course, <clears throat> this all becomes a massive amount of spy intrigue that uh, that sort of uh, unravels as, as all these factions are after this negative that gets stolen. Why can't you smuggle me in via the diplomatic bag? You're not being very constructive, are you? Well, you know what you've let me in for, don't yes, you? £15,000. That's a lot of money. Of course, I'd have to hack my way in, and once I was on that roof... Ah, so you would use the roof, then? Once on the roof, I'd be causing willful damage to sovereign Chinese territory. Quite. And you reckon he's worth my trouble? He's the best. He's one of the few men trusted by both black factions and the whites. He wants a peaceful settlement in Rhodesia, but if that photograph is published, it could well destroy his credibility. Oh, we can't have that, can we? I did find the various motivations of the different parties and their affiliations mm. very confusing mm. and very regularly i was like well so are they on the side of the rhodesians or the south africans or the chinese what the heck is going on what's the relationship be- between fairfax and cummins and what's that got to do with with um merriman from duchess of duke street mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was it was very confusing what the connections were, and it was deliberate. But I think there was a point in which in episode two again where I thought, oh, I'm comfortable now. It was um, I've got it written down because I'll put I'll play the okay. clip in now. But it's when it's revealed that that Spider is is being hired as a patsy in mm. this situation, and that's not clear until quite a long way through the story yes. that he's yeah. being played. And as soon as that's made really clear, then. I felt more comfortable and understood it more. Whitehall arranged to rob the legation. Instead of hiring some James Bond character, they hire a patsy with two qualities. He has a long record and is a housebreaker. That means he can be put straight back safely inside jail again, no questions asked. Oh, a few, surely. Well, I was doing it for my country. British intelligence can deny all knowledge of the deal. He's just some recidivist housebreaker, and the Chinese are formally appeased. But honestly, the political affiliations are very complicated, and it's proper John the Carré sort of complexity. I felt. Oh yeah, I mean, th- when you look at this show, and and, and you know, this is uh, a couple of years later, you'd have got Sandbaggers, and Sandbaggers again plays more on the corridors of power aspect yeah. that you see in this. You get these these spooks in their their green walled offices sort of basically moving their chess pieces around and not really giving much um, not caring much for the consequences really or the people I mean it's an interesting line uh, I think it's in episode 3 where he just says oh well it's only 2 years of his life if he goes back to prison yes 
and and that seven and a half thousand a year is quite a good salary (laughs) it's like well Well, which it is then it was well yes precisely but you don't really want to be in prison really no No, precisely well i mean he's actually made it clear from the outset he isn't going back inside he does not want he he, you know prison life he, he was getting very uh, what was the word? Gaty or twitty, twitchy or something? Oh no, he had he used... wolf. He got wolf fever this time. Wolf fever. That was it. Yes, okay. that was it. And yeah. and uh, and very much had, had made it clear that he wanted to. And of course, this brings a whole uh, an interesting, if you like, aspect of this is this whole for offenders getting back into society, mm. making opportunities for themselves. I mean, he actually has set himself up. As as have, maybe having this life as an art dealer through his girlfriend, yeah, and that is basically ruined for him by the um, by Fairfax coming along, yeah, and basically putting putting in a bad word with his friend. Um, what's his friend called? Mister Warren. Mister Warren, yeah, yeah. Who's played by? I can never. He's an actor. I can never remember his name. Johnny like Shannon. It. Johnny okay. Shannon. Okay. And um, yeah, and. And he, because he, he turns up in all sorts of things like the swing. He always plays this sort of dodgy wide boy guy. He's actually yeah, yeah, a, yeah. A, a imposing, bald uh, man with glasses and usually in a suit. And and he's got, you know, he's got, he's actually managed to set up his life. And this all gets just wiped away by the by the intrigue of these bastards in Whitehall. Yeah. Who basically just say, oh, we need him to do this, and we don't really care if he gets caught, and if he does and- get caught. And that is really good at this point because then you have sympathy and empathy for Spider because you realise yeah. he's a pawn in a game and he has no yeah. option of getting out of this and he's in mm. the system now. But I think so this, that... is, this is my problem though with the entire series. Mm. Um, having said I've only watched this one three episode story, mm. but is that there's no evidence anywhere in this particular set of episodes that mm. he wants to commit crimes at all. Mm. In no. fact, he's running in the opposite direction, and that's a problem mm. when your your premise for your show is mm. that he's he what he can't help himself but mm. but cause to actually commit crimes when in yes. fact the reality is is opposite. But but also, I suppose part of the interesting thing is how is he going to get himself out of this without you know, and whether or not you're satisfied with how that works in terms of the narrative depends probably on how much you like the show. But because yeah. uh, he he is obviously a clever person he's able to wheel and deal duck and dive and actually manages at the end of it not exactly to come out smelling of roses but at least to keep himself out of prison yeah and you 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 appreciate that he's achieved that aim given Mm. the odds stacked against him and i thought that was a pleasing um round off for this first series of episodes yeah I think we've got so used now to things like films like uh, Mission Impossible and um, all the various stunt-based, you know, heist movies, if you like. Yeah. To I, and and lots of rooftop chases. I mean, you know, Bond's always running across roofs very slowly these days with his knees, and um, <laughs> and, and Bourne is usually overtaking him and running back the other way and all that kind of thing. But there's been a lot of, shall we say, high octane, high gravity peril. Yeah. movies over the last 20, 30 years. So that actually what probably... see It's difficult not to watch it uh, from where we are now, but I actually imagine it actually seemed quite spectacular in 1976. I genuinely do. I think those sequences yeah, where he's climbing, th- up, climbing right. up the house... And I and... think Ken Grieve is a very good action director. I think that's mm. why Destiny of the Daleks... I mean, I'm someone who likes Destiny, and I know that's mm. not, not 
necessarily standard. But mm. um, I think it's because he's an action director and really mm. is good at, at um, emphasizing yes. the sort of the not the spectacular, but certainly mm. the um, the movement and the action. Mm. And yeah. Yeah. All I mean is, if you said to somebody, "Oh, it's got some really spectacular uh, climbing action rooftop sequences," you to somebody, and they and they actually saw what was presented in the X Y Y Man, they might go, "Well, it's not that spectacular." And I think, they, in many ways, we've been spoiled by action and how yeah. it's filmed these days. Yeah, you know, because I mean, nowadays they've got sort of uh, what are they drones and helicopters and all this kind of thing. But actually on a, on a television budget in 1976, it's actually quite impressive. It, it is a little bit long and possibly could do with more cutting, but the, the truth of the matter is they've spent the money. They've yeah. spent the money and that's, they, this is what they think the viewers want to see. They want to see the, the, the cat burglar doing his cat burglaring, if you like. And it really benefits from the location sequences. But as, as you've said, the, the stuff on the roof of the Chinese legation is far too long. It, it, he, he feels like he's ripping in to get in there for, for I don't know, 20 minutes. And then... He, he actually looks like he's basically putting a new roof on the place. <laughs> he does. He's like, oh, I'll, be another, I'll be another day. But then when it's hilarious, because you suddenly cut to the inside of the legation, mm. and suddenly he's able to get both his legs through. And I'm thinking, well, that mm. would have been another two hours up there because he'd only oh. managed to make a little small Although, hole. <laughs> that is the one moment that I actually sat there and go, Oh, I like that. And that's where he uses the brolly to catch the debris. Yes, that was I good, think, wasn't it? Oh. Now, the interesting thing about that, to me, is that back in the 60s, when they were making The Saint, yeah. Roger Moore was never allowed to be shown breaking into places. Oh. They always cut away from his hand. You couldn't see how he did it, if you see what I mean. Yeah. It wasn't allowed. He, he You knew he did it, and whatever he did... But you'd see him outside the window, you'd see him inside the window. But apparently you could never, ever, ever show how it was done. Ah. So obviously by the mid-70s, <laughs> you're getting technique through handy hints. Like, what you do is you lower the brolly down open and all your bits and pieces were catching the brolly. And that is actually incredibly... You just sit there at home going, oh, I wish I'd thought of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, they're not that I'm wanting to break into. But it does actually also make me terribly paranoid about, you know, the, the roof of my house now. Because uh, <laughs> you, you kind of think, so the way people leave ladders five houses down, you think, oh, anyone could get through the roof while I'm in bed. You know? <laughs> Suddenly you've Ladder got a whole down. new set of concerns. I, I, I can find new anxieties basically. Anywhere. Absolutely, I don't, I don't need any skill. effort at all. I could, I can make every. As Philip will tell you, I can make everything about me. <laughs> the entire <laughs> universe is about me. I believe I am the black hole at the center of the universe, which sucks in all. <laughs> so, yeah. one thing I wanted to talk about was yeah. um, there's a really funny scene between um, Leslie Schofield and um, Spider. What's Leslie oh, Schofield's yes. character? Bluey Palmer. He's the photographer. Bluey Palmer. Yes. This photographer, honestly, he is such a cliche. And every sentence he ends with love. It's so funny. This is luxury, Bluey. Yes, love. Client's desk, client's armchairs, client's pictures, all flat. Oh, I like it. So do I, love. Yes. Um, but there's the kind of... This this scene is about, oh, crime's not what it was, love. <laughs> 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 sort of narrative. And it's yeah. so hackneyed and it's so funny, yeah. but it's... I don't know, I enjoyed it, but more in a sort of like... Taking the piss out of it, way. How long this trip? Oh no, I've turned in my card. 
I'm going shopping in Calcutta on Monday for Indian miniatures. Selling them through Charlie Warrens. Oh, they came from Warrens. Oh, yeah. All above board, are they? Favourite. Oh, crime's gone, Dad. Finish this football. There's no laughs anymore, no fun. All you've got's a load of madmen running about with shooters, being chased by the law with shooters. All your villains are politicos. IRAs are robbing the banks. And a freedom brigade, whoever they are, captured a pay. You read that in the standard yesterday. What? Two jock nationalists held up a chippy in Camberwell with a bloody hand grenade. <laughs> well, where's the joke in that, Dad? Because what it comes down to is old Bill can't distinguish. He collars you climbing through some tough MP's window and you find yourself being beaten up on a political ticket. I think you couldn't have a more, in many ways, the scenes in the photographer's um, studio, for want of a better yeah. word, you couldn't have a more mid-1970s scene if <laughs> you tried. It just absolutely sums up yeah. everything. I think if, if you were going to now recreate a, mid, a scene in mid-1976, you could probably nick that one, <laughs> quite yes. frankly. Give him a give him a flowery cravat and the, and the horrible shirt. And, and that'll be and, it. And a, and a scantily clad model so he can call her lover. I'll I, I tell you what always gets me about scenes set in photography studios. Yeah. As a rule, you kind of think, these photographs must be crap. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the way they shoot them is actually that these people have never actually held a camera in their life. <laughs> well, they're actors, darling. They have or, or, well, no, it's just when you think, because there's usually sort of a load of old rubbish behind them. And you think, how are they going to get... You can't Photoshop that stuff out. Not, no, not in them also, days. Also, did you notice that when he was photographing the model, who was a terrible actress, not as bad as Hanya <laughs> Rogers, but terrible, um, and he took one shot and then got her to move. Like, what, cam mm. what cameraman, what photographer, rather, takes one <laughs> shot and then gets them to move again? What? Very weird. I know they were all, uh, I know they were all sort of... Uh, it was basically, it was always David Bailey, wasn't it? They'd all seen um, David Bailey on those documentaries about the 60s and yeah. and and, uh, and blow up and all that kind of thing. And it's just, oh, of yeah. Course, yeah. Every single one of them is playing that photographer. This is the cliche photographer. I mean, to be fair, I, you know, it's, it, it actually, as a character in the, in the drama, he, he does it very nicely and very well. There's a, there's a wonderful thing where he's, he's stalling for time and yeah. then he doesn't have to stall for any more time, and suddenly it's like, oh, I know where the oh, oh, he might have gone over to this bit. Oh, oh, there's the negative. That's the one you're after. And of course, they've they've also used the photography in the sense that they had to make it look like a real fake or a, a fake fake or something. Yeah, yeah. They had to make the photograph look more fake than it actually was. And again, it uses photography as a process it's not just like oh we need a photographer so it does actually work in terms of the drama he's there for a purpose and he's a mate of spiders and it's all i mean okay you know soho sleazy whatever but uh yeah it, it does serve a purpose within the plot and of course as the guy at the chinese legation we've got rick young who i know best from Tenko. He's the okay. guy at the mission who Sister Ulrika's trying to get the money from. Wow. But he also has a sci-fi connection in that he's the one who kills all of Servland's babies in oh. Children of Auron, Ginka. Right. Yes. There's no chance of you escaping. Is that why you broke into Hardly worth the trouble or the bang on my shoulder. That photograph is nothing compared to the thing you're going to cause. Shut up, 
You have violated Chinese property and you've been caught. When we hand you over, your government will have to bring you to trial. You go to the wall for the sake of diplomatic relations. I am, I am impressed, though, actually, by the fact that, I mean, when you think back to... Because, I mean, this is the same year, isn't it, more or less, as Talon? And yes. You've actually got genuine Chinese, or at least Eastern actors yeah. in, in those scenes. Yeah. You know, they are... Because uh, so, uh, even three or four years ago, there was a yellow face was still being used in yeah. this kind of drama. Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, at the same time, uh, New Avengers uh, has a, a an Eastern character who is played by a Western character, you know, in full glorious Technicolor, in, uh -huh. you know. So it's it's actually... I mean, I know you could say Granada. Granada actually were very good at that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't mess about. They got, you know, they got actors... They didn't black people up. They didn't yellow people up. They genuinely were very good at, at, at actually sourcing, you know, yeah. actors who, who were from the cultures that they were trying to show on screen. Generally, I mean, not... You know, like a lot of, you know, it's, it, they're not perfect. You know, but, you know, very few are. But um, I mean, I don't suppose uh, Paul Freeman is actually South African. Um, no, no, and definitely Peter Beryl and um, I don't know whether Roy Boyd yeah. is. I don't think they are. No. So but, uh, you know, yeah. But, but then I, again, I, do I don't think... even know whether you could uh, employ South African actors in those days because of uh, maybe because of the, um, the situation. But Although, think... unless they'd emigrated, you know. But I think it's really um, far too. Um, what's the word? I think it's it's not fair to dismiss XYY Man as racist because, in fact, mm. there are racist um, characters who say racist yes. things, but it, the series is not got a racist message. If, if anything, That's it's the, the difficulty, isn't it? Yeah. You actually sit there and, you, and these words are used, these terms yeah. are used, I mean, uh, and, and you sit there thinking, oh, God, but then you think, well, no, they're the bad guys and they're using the yeah. words that bad guys would use. And, again, this comes back to modern drama generally is can you ignore those things in terms of the drama you're making now um who was it the actor was it Di dicaprio who felt very uncomfortable using certain epithets or oh, really? racial yeah. terms in one of the films he was filming right. a few years ago and yeah. he really didn't want to say those words and and people are saying to him yeah but you're an actor and the character you're in this film would say those you know, but he he really I think he didn't want the memes going out of him saying that. Of course, because th people have become more media savvy. I think savvy if now, you I if you yeah exactly, and I can understand those concerns. But if you brush this stuff into the carpet and you pretend that we mm. didn't have this society, mm. then you've also got this other problem, which is now is that well I I guess Brexit has enabled racists and they've given mm. them a voice, but mm. up until Brexit, I was in this cloud cuckoo land of thinking that we were beyond racism. Mm. Um, and we absolutely weren't. And I think that's partly mm. because TV had become more aware that it couldn't put this stuff out. Yes. But the reality is it's still bubbling under the surface. And well, the reaction, now should... that, yeah. the reaction now that the BBC gets for basically being too woke or too uh, politically correct or anything like that in its dramas actually proves to a certain extent that people are still fundamentally a little bit, you know, Society, rather, is still a little bit, or, or a great deal of racism. Or a lot racist, the, the other, yeah. The like other the interesting Wurzel thing... Gummidge, Wurzel Gummidge, the casting of the, the yeah. children, Wurzel Gummidge. I mean, the mm. reaction to that was just horrifying. I'm like, are you serious? Yes. Yeah. 
But also then you, you turn back the clock to 1976 and you watch something like the XYY Man and you actually see all these people using these unpleasant turns and you feel bad about it. And you wonder whether people who would watch it now would feel bad about it. But the interesting thing from that point of view is that this idea people have of some glorious golden age of Britain and England and how wonderful it was and you actually look at it and it's shabby people have got horrible brown underpants things look really <laughs> scruffy and and dismal and, and we people had that are horrible yeah. racist uh, and sexist and we had so, that couch we had that horrible brown couch oh, and I you? could remember how hard it was and horrible <laughs> yes. yeah exactly yeah, it's not a golden you know, era it wasn't it really wasn't and and the attitudes stank, and I think yeah, it's really important to remember that. But I this and if you want that back, there's something wrong with you because yeah. it won't. You know, you know I have to go. I have to just say I'm slightly uncomfortable that we are talking about racism again as two middle-aged oh. white men. I'm just I, you know, just gonna put that out there. <laughs> I know, I understand, and yeah, and absolutely, but, um, you know, what yeah. I'm I'm trying to say that is as that as a middle-aged white man, yeah, I really really feel uncomfortable. With the fact yeah, no, that people fair. do get away yeah. with it, I'm just, um, I'm just identifying yeah. that you know, that as yeah. as voices we, we're not, yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> absolutely, 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 yeah. Absolutely. You're wasting your time. I know what I'm doing. You haven't a clue. You're way out of your depth. There are a lot of very tough cookies. I want that photograph. Look, even if I had that photograph and I'm not admitting anything, it's my only bargaining point. Why should I give it to you? Because we're on the same side. Black African nationalism means communism. Oh, is that there a fact? No peace with that. It's regressive. It doesn't work. Politics. I have to be. I work for federal Africa without interference from Look, America. Look, South Africa is racialist and it's segregated as well. Now, if you don't mind, I'll be on my no. way. Well, accept my offer. Tell me where you hit the negative. No. You can't handle this on your own. I have to. I don't like your politics and I don't fancy your offer. But I think, yeah, I think it wasn't my problem with the series. I would say my problems were far more to do with with pacing and and awareness of what was going on and motivation. See, I would say, for example, two things that strike me immediately is that I think the reason Fairfax, one of the spooks, or the, the spook who recruits uh, Spider against his will, uh, played by... Who plays Fairfax? Come on. He's quite well known. Mark Diggum. Oh, yeah. Dig Dignum. Dignum. Yeah. Sorry. Mark Dignum, who actually, weirdly enough, turned up in a crown court I watched last week. Oh, right. Thought, oh, that that's that bloke from the XY Women. But yeah. setting that aside, um, they they make him interesting by giving him a dog. Yes, Roger. Yeah, and it's kind of like that's what makes him interesting. <laughs> yes, it's kind because of if he didn't have the dog, he, yeah, if he didn't have the dog, he would be a very you know generic spook, I suppose. I felt yeah. he was straight out of a John the Carré drama. Yeah. He was. He, he really was. He is an interesting character, actually. Uh, Fairfax, because he is he's under pressure himself from his uh, boss, who is played by who is it? Walsh. Walsh. Is it John who, Walsh? John Welsh. Welsh. John Welsh. Yes, under secretary John Welsh, yes. uh, who I was actually trying to identify because I saw him in some ancient ancient ITC thing. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, I think it was either Interpol calling a few weeks ago, and I thought I know him from somewhere, and it turns out it was this. Ah. <laughs> Well, I, I, I recognise him. I, I recognize know him best him. as the elderly butler who has to be retired in the Duchess of Duke Street. Yes. Yes, Merriman. Mm. Oh, sorry, thing, were you he, talking he, about Jen Wel John Welsh or were you, were you talking about Dignam? Uh, no, I was 
uh, talking about uh, fair, yeah, Dig Dignam just yeah. turning up, but it, but it's just as a character because it's interesting that he is under pressure uh, from the minister, the under secretary, and so his job is on the line, and he's he's constantly being fired and everything like that. So you kind of get that sense of the strata. You got the under secretary, you've got Fairfax. And he's he's kind of like the middleman, but he also is a peculiar character because he turns up, sort of, and and feels that he can walk in and just wait in. He waits in her garden. I know, but it's a bit odd, isn't it? I think that was an issue to do with the um, what was available in terms of sets, and it's like yeah. he he got in through a house and was put into a garden that seemed to be walled. Mm. But it was so it was it was odd, wasn't it? <laughs> It's just again. It just has. But then there's this wonderful sequence that I, I suspect is filmed in a a, Man a, non a disused Manchester station uh, where they do the safe where he has to where he has the wrong safe to crack. Oh yes. Uh, and and again, there's why, why did I write it down? There was something about champagne and what was it? Champagne and money or champagne and a check, which was seen as the the height of luxury or something. Oh, of course, yeah. You know. um, I must just mention there was one of the stations, I think it was an underground station, I don't know, but where there was those big, big um, sort of bollards with prices on them, 25p, 20p, 15p. I know. I know, and I didn't oh, ever yeah. know they existed, so they were to get on the underground, were they? Mm. Oh, they were yeah. amazing. I thought, God, yeah. I loved how how much construction went into those at the time and the belief mm. that those prices wouldn't change. Because now mm. you'd never build anything that had a set price like that because no, it wouldn't it stay. Was, it, these were your 15p tickets. These were your 30p. Yes. I do remember those. I, do I haven't you? been to London much, but, I, but I, actually, I do remember that. You know, again, uh, I don't think the price... I think it was when they were all under a pound kind of thing. But Ah, yeah, yeah. There were some interesting philosophical dimensions to this. There was a point at which Bullman was talking in his car about what was reality and what mm. often the opposite of what we think is the truth. Mm. So, and I guess that was kind of the foundation of Bullman as an interesting character was like yes. was laid there. But there's another bit also about without fanaticism there is no progress, mm. which I thought was a really interesting concept. And I remember sitting thinking there, thinking about that for a few minutes, and I missed the dialogue for the rest of the scene because I was sat there thinking <laughs> is that true because I've never heard that phrase before because I think Alan Rowe's character said yes of course and I'm thinking mm. really is it a cool situation yeah. I really need to think about whether that's true I, I think generally um, throughout this you do get uh, again I mean I know I'm not the world's biggest fan of our modern uh, government <laughs> Who is, you apart do from get, the brain you, dead? <gasps> well, you do get this sense of the eternal establishment types Yeah, are always there pulling the strings and mm. they've been there since the dawn of time and they'll probably still be there long after the dawn, the end of time. You yeah. see what I mean? They are constantly, constantly there manipulating and doing everything. Not necessarily. I mean, they, they claim they do it in the name of the greater good or whatever. But actually, the greater good really is how you define it on that day, generally, as a rule. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating to me that there have always been this sense in drama. I mean, maybe it's, it's I don't know, maybe, maybe script writers or uh, writers of the late 60s were all just very paranoid. But actually, because this kind of thinking about how things really work behind the scenes is a very constant thread throughout all sorts of shows mm. in, in that kind of era. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
I was surprised because my expectation was that this was going to be more like a police procedural. So to find it had political and social dimensions, I was pretty pleased with that. And the fact that Ken Grieve took the trouble of filming inside children playing inside derelict buildings and there was um, a woman putting a washing out at one point and, you know, and the policeman going along the, that train platform and talking. That's a really nice scene, isn't it, where yeah. she's just out the front of her house putting down the washing and he climbs down. Yeah. And suddenly she's got a, a cat burglar on her balcony. Yes, yes. I, I did like that. I did, yeah. I did think that was a nice touch, actually. So, yeah, so there are a lot of nice touches. And I, I really think that Ken Greaves sort of elevated it. Um, mm. But I think the script was very dense. And as I said, there was sometimes... And the bit I laughed at the most was when um, he entered the Chinese legation and he, he came across Rick Young's character, Lizen. And um, suddenly this character suddenly had this script a lengthy script to reel off at Stephen Yardley mm. and it went on for so long it's like you would Hello, never I'm Basil Exposition <laughs> you'd never ever do that in that situation this cat burglar is challenging you he's about to hit you over the head and you come up with this long discussion of the, the situation I'm like never in a million years I think it is actually interesting because you do get uh, these moments in this yeah. I think it's, it, these moments of eccentricity you get the Bullman moment that you mentioned yeah. But you also get that scene with the window cleaner on the, oh, on yes. the cradle. That was really where, interesting. Where he's photographing the uh, legation, you know, yes. to, actually to plan the breaking. Uh, so you've got Stephen Yardley and the window cleaner. And they're kind of having one of those slightly philosophical discussions. Yes, they like, were. Yes. About the nature of, you know, li- you're living above things and whether, you, you know, you feel safer on, on your cradle than you do crossing the street and all that kind of thing. You know. When I was a nipper, I climbed the television master, Alexander Palace. Straight up the temple bones. Oh, yeah? That started it. Some people say it's dangerous, your job. I say, no, mate, it's safer up here than what it is down there, terra firma. Yeah. Not I believe it. This is nothing, this. I don't know what you're doing there, haven't you? Oh, granted. But you can't get run over by a bus, can you? And yet again, we had a mention of the TV master, Alexandra Palace, <laughs> which we've so, had several know. times now. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but, but I um, just think I, yeah. it does have these nice sort of touches in the script, and, and you get these moments of, like I say, some of them are more heavy-handed than others. You yeah. Know? But equally, you also get the horrible murder of... Um, the what's the character name that Lucy um, Lucy Gonzalez Lucy. yeah yeah and that again is is very much uh, I know they don't actually you don't see the murder but you you see a woman being terrified by by these two torturers who've broken in she, she's the the woman who was photographed and basically then you, you know you, you, you they cut to her body uh, being has been dumped somewhere yeah uh, and you also get this a torture sequence yeah oh yes at the end of at the end of episode two Gr- now, i think the, the yeah. actual episode endings are very interesting you've got the three um episode one uh ends basically by oh it's the chinese legation yeah it's a very low-key ending yes it really is a, you know it doesn't like you not like going gosh blimey governor that's amazing you know it's like oh that's where it is right and Credits start to roll. It sort of drifts. The second one, you've got this torture going on, and then you sort of 
because uh, 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 Paul Freeman's character is so disgusted by the torture of his friend, for yeah. of a better word, that he, he leaves and, and inter is intercepted by Don Warrington's character. But the, the interesting thing is, again, it sort of just drifts, the credits sort of drift in. And yes, you, and almost You almost know casually. the threat's going on, yes. but it's not, it's not, it's not played out in the melodramatic way you would expect of a normal three-part drama series. But I think that was, that was partly a sort of Starsky and Hutch American Shaft-esque sort of feel to it. It was that funky music, wasn't it? It was like, well, we're just not nonchalantly going to play that music in sort of feel. Yes, the, the, yeah. the music, yes. Yeah, tell but me, also, what again, do you think about what, the music? What episode, <laughs> well, the third episode, the, the story ends, and it's just that Spider Scott sort of drifts off and leans against a wall opposite the Houses of Parliament. Yes, but you've got to remember that he was probably really hot at that point. In the clothes he was wearing and the way he was standing there and he was chewing <laughs> gum, he was probably massive eye candy. But um, it's just hard to see that now. <laughs> With the best one in the world to Mr. Yardley, it's hard to And, and I've got, of course, we should also point out that this is, this is Stephen Yardley. Uh, I mean, presumably... I don't know whether he was a sex thimble or not, but he um, he very much he has hair for a start. Just about. I'm not I mean, used. I'm not used to seeing Stephen Hadley. Uh, Stephen Hadley. 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 It's hardly Hadley. Stephen. Hardly Hadley. Yardley. Yes. Of not used the, to seeing him in the full It's only the following year after the second series of XIY that he's Max Brocard in um, Secret Army, and he hasn't. Mm. He's definitely lost more hair by then, so it was going. Mm. It's like, quick, mm. film this series in which I'm well, a star. Well, I was wondering whether this was a piece. Oh. And it, and it interests Possibly. me because there is a, 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 a again, for our, for our regular listeners, uh, there is a, a kind of um, thread of actors who wore syrups <laughs> uh, professionally. Ian McCullough. Dennis Lill. Well, yes, but also yeah. uh, people who you never really thought did, which people like Edward Woodward, people like Anthony Valentine, who yeah. for many years in the sick when they were young, this is the thing they lost the hair when they were young, yes. but they couldn't have got the work they got if they didn't actually wear a syrup. Is that true though? I mean, Patrick, uh, um, what's he called? Did okay? <laughs> I can't remember his name. Stuart. Patrick Stewart. Well, yes. oh no, he wore a wig for Sejanus, didn't he? He did wear a wig for Sejanus, but yeah. what I mean is, it's interesting. Uh, that, that if you wanted to be a sort of lead character, you couldn't be a, a bald character. I would also argue, though, that in the seventies, you could look like shit and still be a lead character. <laughs> Absolutely, as long as you had a full head of hair. Oh, I see. Okay. There's, there's a whole theory that about uh, presidential candidates that we haven't had a bald president in America uh, for oh. since uh, is it Eisenhower? Oh, well, uh, well, well, I, well, that is actually is we haven't had an out bald president, is what you mean. <laughs> well, yes, yes, if you like. Well, this is the thing: someone who is notoriously bald doesn't make it to be president. Notoriously apparently. bald. You make it sound like it's their fault. Notoriously bald. Uh, I'm just he saying, was bald, it, and he was notorious about it. But in terms of acting culture, certainly in the sixties, yeah. it was very it was very difficult to get work if uh, as a as a romantic lead, shall we say? Yeah. If yeah. if you had uh, follicularly challenged. Talking about romantic leads, I mean, mm. I do think that Stephen Yardley was way more attractive than the woman, uh, Maggie Parsons. Honestly, mm. she was a drab. She was so... <laughs> she was. She was so... I think, uh, funnily enough, I wrote down that she was, in, in 70s terms, that she's a very classy woman. Oh, did you think? She was so... Only in the sense... No, I, I don't mean necessarily... But in the sense of the fact that she 
She was interested in classical music. She she was interested in collecting art. La Lique Bowles. She was so mousy, though, and I, I found that the outfit she wore later on was unforgivable, which had that mm. matching hat. But... Mm. Um, dreadful and but I, I just I just I thought it was interesting yeah. that she was able to have a career she was seen as having a career yeah. you know she wasn't she, she wasn't actually painted as a victim she hadn't sort of hung around while spider was in prison she'd basically got on with her life yeah and I think that was quite kind of interesting in and of itself and it was quite a good character study on the basis that when it came to it she said um she used the word bread instead of money so it was obvious that mm. she had lowly origins in the yes. sense of socioeconomic class and that mm. she'd built herself up from there just to yeah. appreciation of middle class mm. values and but stuff. But of course she does also get horribly beaten up she by does. the um, by the two horrible... I have to say, in terms of three episodes of her, um, I don't know if mm. she carries on. I imagine she does. She's, yes, she does. She's yeah. not an interesting actress. I would definitely have cast someone with more charisma and appeal, honestly. Mm. she was. I found okay. her quite bland. And I don't think she has a massive career. Um, I, 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 it's interesting, actually. She's, there's, if, you, if you look at her IMDb, she sort of has a, a long career break, which may be for various reasons. But now it's now it's sort of turned up in a series of things called Hit, Hitman or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah. So she has sort of had a late career resurrection, shall Gosh. we say. He told you Spiley was arrested, didn't he? Yes. Why do you lie to you? I don't know. Now, please go. Was Spider at Lynch's last night? I don't know. Did he contact you at all? He phoned me. What did he say? Nothing important. I bet. Why is Lynch back on the bottle, do you think? Look, I don't know, and that's straight. Look, Spider, you and him are up to your necks in a very nasty business. Can't you get it through your thick skull? I do not know why Ray's gone to pieces. I will tell you why. He's playing well out of his league, and so are you. Unless you start cooperating, someone's going to finish up in the river, and that someone is Spider Scott. And also, if you think about them, let's talk about Stephen Yardley for a bit. He mm. is one of these character actors. Um, is he a character actor? I don't know. He's, he's had long roles in lots of different things. He's mm. actually incredibly successful. Howard's um, Way. Yeah, I mean, Howard's Way, but you've also got... He was in Family Affairs, was it, for years on Channel 5? I keep thinking he was in Triangle, but I'm not convinced he was. Really. No. And I, 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 seem to, I seem to have locked into my brain that he was, but I can't quite remember why two, I think that. Two um, Doctor Who's, um, mm. Blake Seven, he was in that episode, wasn't he, Sand? Mm. Um, I think the interesting thing about that these two Doctor Who appearances, going back to that, is that they couldn't be more different in many ways. That's, mm. that's the because you've got this. He's very cynical, very in uh, vengeance of, on Varos, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's one of the spectator, the two spectators, yes. the, the audience. That, yes. Yes. And uh, and that very cynical, very you know, in your face, very sort of macho, if you like. And I and I, I sort of wondered whether they bookend around something, something you know. Because he's very he's very sweet and kind in in Genesis of the Dark, mm -hmm. and I just wonder whether his actual career arc, if you see what I mean, over those intervening years, had made his the roles he played a bit different. Oh, oh you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think his his role of that everyone talks about, of course, is Ken Masters, um, and I think it was career defining and. Also, it ended up defining his life, of course, because he ended up with Jan Harvey Badger. I always call her Jan Harvey Badger because of Harry Hill. But <laughs> but um, I met Jan and Stephen at a convention 
when we were selling books as Classic TV Press back in the day, uh, at a point at which I was planning to write a sarcastic book about Howard's Way, I never got it off the ground because I felt I didn't want to give as much of my life to a book on Howard's Way, however sarcastic it might be. But they were lovely people. They were honestly However, lovely. now you've got the time. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I don't think ever that's a good use of my time. But, coming soon from the HZ of UK. <laughs> but they were properly lovely and they were so sort of down to earth, both of them. And you could see they were really happy. You couldn't be beastly. No, I couldn't. Be beastly. Not to Having them. met them, beastliness was off the agenda. They were lovely. They really were. And of course, there was a really funny moment that never expected to happen with Jan Harvey Badger, which was when my son was playing a game which involved boats and underwater stuff. And there was this one point when he was on a boat and I videoed him playing this boat going across the ocean. And it was just like Howard's Way. And I played the Howard's Way music over it and then tweeted it. And she, she only went and liked it. And it was it was so funny. So, yes, thank you, Jan. Anyway, that was a bit of a tangent. <laughs> well, do I need to ring me bell again? <laughs> well, I've only met her once. No, actually, twice. I did meet her at Jerry Glaster's funeral as well, so you need a big clang for that one. <laughs> and was Stephen, was Stephen in at the time? Stephen in where? In, in, when you talked to her, it was Stephen there. So, I mean, this is your ex, another XYY connection. Oh, yeah, Stephen and Jan were together when I, I met them both times, darling. They were lovely. Yes. So, have I... Have I You're about one of the few people well, who could have probably looked him straight in the eye as well. He's, he's a tall yes, piece, isn't he? Yes, true fact. True fact. Yes. I think he was just grateful because I, I sent him the Secret Army box set. Probably It was probably just that. He was like, oh, that was cool. Thanks. Huh? <laughs> cool, cool and free. Cool and free. Anything that's free, an actor, honestly, yeah. I'm all over that. All you needed to do was include a sandwich when you sent it. What? Sorry, isn't there a thing about actors and, and practical food? <laughs> I see. Okay, good. Sorry, I sometimes have these strange oblique thoughts. Um, so, you, yes. I'll um, tell you that Marisa was worried throughout about the fate of the Le- leak bowl. She, she felt oh, right. sure that the leak bowl was going to go for a burden, but it never quite did. Well, there was there was a scene where they smashed up all the stuff in her flat. But the they left villains. the Lalique bowl probably because it was too expensive to replace. I, th- I think actually, I think what we had was stunt crockery. <laughs> we did have stunt crockery. That's what I thought because it didn't look anywhere as good as all the stuff that was still on her shelves. Because mm. that massive Buddha that kept turning yes, up in shot. Yes, um, exactly. I don't. I, we didn't see that get smashed. I want to know who pl- who supplied the stunt crockery. That's something I'd need to know. Stunt cra- crockery by Havoc. There are a couple more things. Yes. Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I, big tick for the fact that uh, Bullman turns up in a purple Cortina at one point. Oh. I'm, always, I'm always quite pleased with a, a purple Mark III Cortina. I, I had a blue Mark III Cortina when oh. I was a student. Um, so, yes, I like I like the Mark III. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel... Uh, it's funny, I, I have this theory that uh, if you watch television long enough, all your old cars will come back and haunt you. <laughs> oh, I hope the Renault 4s never come back to haunt me. <laughs> My dad always used to buy Renault Fours, the most dreadful. But I, 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 I wanted to. There are three things I wanted to briefly Tell touch on. Uh, Paul, Paul Freeman. Yes. And Who the, I know the, from the, something when he's old. What do I know from him? From well, he's, he's in. Uh, he's in uh, Indiana Jones. Oh yeah. Sorry, the first uh, Raiders of Lost Ark. Yes. Famously. Yes. Uh, you've seen his melty face, I would imagine. Melty. 
Yeah. So he obviously doesn't. He doesn't seem to do well at coming out of things alive generally. No. Because <laughs> he gets he gets properly deaded in this. Uh, although obviously his character is a nasty piece of work and deserves it. And of course, also we need to get rid of him because he's a love rival. Hero. <laughs> I liked your accent then. Love rival. <laughs> love rival in the chamber of love. Um, <laughs> in, in Maggie's chamber of love. I really do worry about this vaccine and your health going forward. I know, it's doing strange things in my mind. But of course, the other thing we shouldn't ignore is, is Don uh, Henderson. I don't feel we have. I think we've referenced him quite a few times. Do you, But do you feel, in the end, uh, do you feel it does... Do you, do you see the potential in the character of Bullman and Willis? Full disclosure, your piece on Bullman is the only piece that you've done for around the archives that I didn't listen to. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just not, I've just never, I used to see Bullman coming on, I'm like, oh God, it's that old guy, I don't care. And I, so I never gave it a chance. I've never seen it. And I always... Did you not write Henderson no, as an actor? Though? No, and I always just thought about him eating the meat in um, Delta and the Bannerman and just thinking, oh, God, he's an old ham. But, so, 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 so I've Paradise I, Club I, I passed you by. For XYY, I thought he was a good character, but obviously there was limited scope in this drama. But I know you're a fan, so I should shut Well, no, I, 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 no I, it's not necessarily... Oh, I mean, he I, was good know, in the Paradise Club. I like that. Yes. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. He was good in that. Yeah, I loved that. So you did. So you did see the paradise. I part. did. I loved that a lot. I'd forgotten he was in that. So I'm wrong. I loved Don Henderson. <laughs> I just think it's it's, <laughs> it's weird actually because he, he he is actually a very brave actor. He does a full nude scene in. The... I don't need to see that. But all, well, no, precisely <laughs> as a man of his shape, shape, build, and age, it's it's kind of. But the fact that he did it, you know. And of course, there is a, a lovely uh, sort of subplot to Strangers uh, and indeed uh, to Bullman in that they have this uh, character played by Thorley Walters, who is this eccentric uh, spook, if you like. Gosh. So you do get the Corridors of Power features also in those series. And, uh, and uh, Thorley Walters is always, I think, worth watching. Why does that make me think Carry On Films? He played all sorts of stuff in the sixties. Oh, okay. he's, he's quite often in uh, in Hammer films. Really, okay. it's sort of like uh, I'm not sure whether he was like always the landlord or something. He kind of has that kind of you know also running those, yeah. but but a wonderfully eccentric actor. And the and the George George Pravda also plays a big role in Strangers. And actually, when you get Don Henderson on screen with another amazingly uh, eccentric actor, it is. It is magical. It, it and I just is. would like you to appreciate Don Henderson more than you have so far. So if you could do that, please. Thank you. <laughs> I just really wondered whether, you know, because that was, or those characters, actually him and uh, Dennis Blanche as Derek Willis, they were, they were seen as the... I actually think it comes back to what I was saying right at the beginning of this about the Sweeney. I think Granada were desperate to have a big, wide-networked yeah. crime drama. And they they looked at this and thought, oh, we've made two series of this. They're actually quite good. Yeah. Let's let's take them yeah. out of this and build a series around Potential. them. Because don't forget, Strangers also brings us Mark McManus, which ultimately leads to Taggart. Of course. So, you know. But I would like to um, find out how well-received XYY Man was actually received at the time, because I don't believe it was a cult classic. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I believe Network's promotion. But I, I would like to know, like, genuinely... <laughs> 
I like to think that I have turned you around a little on the XYY man and that you've been quite pleasant about it and that we've actually quite enjoyed talking about it. Well, indeed. I'm not sure. It's one of those things. It's on the shelf. It's not what. It's never going to be one of my go-to. Oh, I really feel like watching no, the XYY. No, of man. course not. No. Um, especially as you need to have three or four hours handy to watch a whole story. Yeah. Uh, and, and at least on, in three of them, you have to swap discs off. <laughs> God, you really are upset about that, aren't you? Like, Network Martin well, is no, very, I mean, very you, upset. No, Please send no, him you, a formal you, letter of you, apology. No, no, I just think that you you and I, you, you, I mean, you actually have produced DVDs, yeah. you know. But I, I mean, I consume them, you know. <laughs> but I, but I, I like to think that if I was in that situation, I would at least know enough about the show for that logical thing. So, you know, it's almost like the people who are putting them out have never actually seen the thing they're putting out, which possibly explains why things like Korean chips get <laughs> Or why you have the Kaliak on the front cover of, of Full Circle on the German release. <laughs> yeah, this that is, was this week. Yeah. That was brilliant. That was one of my favourites. I mean, go, I, I mean, I imagine, though, if you worked for Network, you know, you'd never... If you actually, if part of your job was to actually watch the thing before you did the design for it, you'd never, you'd never have any free time. <laughs> they do put a lot of stuff out. Yes. But, um, anyway, but, so to yes, sum up, I, think, I, think, I thought that was, up, yes. it was more than a police procedure, which surprised me it had mm. political and social dimensions. It was a really interesting mm. window into 1976. And mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed a lot of the script. I thought some of it was mm. too dense, but there's some good characterization. And mm. on the whole, I came on on the side of liking it. Mm. That was my summary. Mm. Your I'd turn. Like to say in, well, in, in terms of if, you, if you're looking at stepping stones between shows like Callan and shows like Sandbaggers. Yeah. It's 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 very much one of the stepping stones towards that. It it feels it feels later than Callan and it feels earlier than Sandbaggers and that's exactly where, where it is yeah. in the in the scheme of things. So in terms of if you want to, you know, get a full overview of spy drama, for want of a better word, of of the seventies, you need to see it. I'm not sure many people would feel the need to see it twice. It it's an uncomfortable watch because of the violence that's in it but this is violence being committed by horrible people so it's not it doesn't pull away from that it shows you the horrible people being horrible and from that point of view it rather depends on whether you feel comfortable with watching that yeah so i but generally speaking it's a perfectly serviceable show i personally prefer the later uh strangers series that granada did but that's you know everybody has their own preference. But no, it's a perfectly serviceable thing. I, you you might watch it once. You may never. You might not watch it twice. That's all I'm saying. Gosh. On that note, um, thank you for joining me today for another TV drama <laughs> review. I know this is an afternoon one. We don't often do afternoon. I know, ones. and we've been awake. We've actually managed to say mm. some vaguely cogent things. <laughs> well, they'll be cogent um, by the time I've edited it. <laughs> Jolly good, jolly. Good. Well, the edit is going to be a nightmare on this guy. I think I've leapt, leapt from pillar to post and back again, <laughs> as I often do with me tangents. I, again, I really should organise my notes better when I do these things. But, uh, so next, I just sort of go through it. And go, oh yeah, there's that, and then I show, oh, oh, and that, and that, oh, and then there's that thing, that thing, that thing with the stuff and the gloy. Always with the gloy yeah. for me. And uh, <laughs> I suppose we have to accept that the format we've chosen, there aren't. A great many series that start with the letter X, to be fair. No. Um, 
that was kind so of we a limit. We were always coming here. We, always we were, were always coming here. You know. And it made me open the cellophane. I've had that, I've had that DVD for years. So you see, this is a good thing, this podcast. Um, but you actually bought it, so you obviously thought this would be interesting. Oh, years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. So why we are we are not actually going to do from a DVD because it's not available on DVD. It's it, it's criminal that it's not. But we shall leave that joy to another time. We shouldn't, we, or should we tell them what we're doing? Shall we? Well, you better tell me because I can't actually remember. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing the seminal, seminal. I tell you, nineteen ninety drama. I think it was nineteen ninety rather than eighty nine. Yes. Okay. No, was it eighty nine? Anyway, we are doing the seminal drama, Yellow Thread Street. Yellow Thread Street. <laughs> I like how you're writing that, that down. down like you've never, ever heard of it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Is it yellow one word or two words? <laughs> yellow Thread's one word. Um, no, I've never seen it. No, you're absolutely right. I've never uh, seen this it. This is on YouTube only. YouTube only. Whenever you get involved in anything to do with archive television, you suddenly realise how much you've not actually seen. Well, this was a huge series for ITV in 1990. It was all over the TV okay. times. But um, that is okay. the story for another time. And passed me by completely. Gasp. There we go. Gasp. OK, well, until we two meet again for why. Gosh, we're close to the end of this alphabet. I don't know what happens after that. Yes. Um, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bye! Sorry, you, just, you just find yourself going, oh, can I be asked doing no. another alphabet? How rude. <laughs> rude. No, you know what I'm Oh, we should also promote Space, Space Soldiers Pod, because we haven't yet. At the moment, we are also running a Flash Gordon commentary podcast called Space Soldiers. And people tell Space us... Soldiers. People tell us it's fun. It's quite fun, lads. We quite yeah. like it. So, so we're obviously not fed up of talking to each other. Anyway. Well... <laughs> well... <laughs> Depends how your jab goes. Right. Indeed. Well, yes. Obviously, it may trouble me overnight. I think Although, you've become you know, more Tory over this hour and a half. I really do. Really? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, there you go. So, XYY man, the perfect, perfect gift. Exactly. For the Tory in your life. <laughs> and if you, want, if you want to go back to, to the lovely glory years of 1976. Then do it, Kirsty of Stephen Yardley. Okay. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. You take care. Bye-bye. You have been listening to an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. Next time, Yellow Thread Street.